sort of break it down like this. You're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. <laughs> Welcome to episode 25 of THN. It's our silver anniversary. Kind of. 25 weeks of this crap. Well, we're talking comics for the week of Wednesday, July 6th. My name is Matt Baum, and when I'm not fighting back tears while watching the final shuttle launch with the old-school Battlestar Galactica theme song playing in the background, I'm writing about and appraising comics for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online, and apparently I'm a black, bad, ironclad fly nerd taking off from a helipad. That's right. And I'm also the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, You're Nebraska. You're the tough guy this week, and I'm the crybaby. Awesome. See what I did? We've, I like I, it. We're flipping the script. This week you'll hear reviews of Secret 635 from DC and Rod Racer from Image. Then we'll wrap about 10 comics faster than Fushnickens can flow, even with Shaq's help, in the ludicrous speed round. After that, we'll point our telescopes to the skies, predict what comics you should be reading next week, and even give you lucky listeners a chance to ask a nerd your deepest, most private comic questions. You're welcome. But before we start making all this up as we go, let's demand justice in the Casey Anthony trial the old-fashioned way and put her and Nancy Grace in the bungee harnesses of the Thunderdome, where two bitches might enter, but only one is leaving. While we sit back in our luxury box next to a young spry Tina Turner and talk about this week's... She still got it. Big news. Yeah, her legs still look great, man. (laughs) Our lead story this week comes from Marvel, who just announced that they plan to announce a new series from frequent collaborators Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis. All that we know about the series, which will be fully revealed in two weeks at the San Diego Comic-Con, is that Marvel is calling it, quote, an action-packed story of epic proportions. Unlike the like the romantic comedies we've grown <laughs> right. used to. Like 15 Love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that the project's title is, and I wish I was not being serious, blank, 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 reborn. That's five blanks for those of you keeping track at home. Newsrama has some speculation about who could uh, be the subject of this rebirth, pointing out some recently deceased characters with five-letter names like Peter, Torch, Cable, and, of course, the most obvious candidate, Bucky. Matt, I know you're a betting man. Care to lay down some odds? I have no idea, but I feel like it's none of those. I think it's Bucky. Do you? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. In all the interviews and stuff Marvel has done, I think they have been <laughs> There's just a tone to them. Where Newsarama and Comic Book Resources are, like, interviewing them about Bucky dying in fear itself. Right. And Axel Alonso and uh, uh, the other guy, Tom Brevoort, are just like, oh, yeah, he's totally dead. He's so dead. Yeah. Like, it's all – it's like reading between the lines, at least to me, it seems like it's all that they can do to say, come on now. Of course he's not dead. We worked so hard to build this character well, back nobody up. Nobody stays dead, and it does seem kind of counterintuitive to just kill him now, especially when they did spend so long building him up. But I will say, maybe I'm alone here, but I didn't feel like his death was a big deal. It didn't seem – Right? It, I, it was kind of unceremonious. It was just sort of like, hammer dude, hit him, he died. Yeah, I felt like <laughs> the know? actual death scene had – uh, little impact. There wasn't a lot of weight to it. So, I mean, if they want to bring Bucky back, that's fine. But this seems like these two names, they generally put these guys on the biggest of the big because they're the guys that, you know, brought Superman, Batman to DC and sold a million billion comics with it. Yeah. So I find it hard to believe it's Bucky. Well, as opposed to... And what do you call it? You can't call it Bucky Reborn. No, well, no, but I mean, that's his... I don't... I don't. What else would they call him? They can't call him the Winter Soldier. I don't know. That's why I don't think it's Bucky. I think it is Bucky. All right. Well, well okay. Now, here's a little, here's a little curveball for you. 
If you remember, Jeff Loeb did have a long run on cable in the 90s. He did, and I do love cable. Yeah, but that said, I don't know if I need Cable Reborn, and I feel like, the, again, these names are too big to bring cable back. It's like there's something we're missing. It's something obvious. Yeah, if you can think of any other dead five... Uh, like Captain Marvel or something. I don't know. But <laughs> Captain Marvel is not Even that, letters. who cares? <laughs> Speaking of Comic-Con, the programming schedule for the mega convention was announced yesterday, bringing an unexpected bit of news with it. The 80s independent publisher First Comics is returning after ceasing operations for nearly 20 years. The news came in the form of the following panel write-up, quote, First Comics, the first of the great independents, is back with a fury! Is an exclamation point. A fury! Legendary 80s independent publishing powerhouse. Wow. First Comics is returning. This sounds great! And I thought our writing was bad. <laughs> is returning when the world needs it most. Really? <laughs> Really? Wait, it gets better. Not unlike the promised return of King Arthur. <laughs> wow. And the assembled roundtable of extraordinary comic <laughs> creators are here to tell you how they will once again be rocking your world with comics entertainment from the cutting edge. I've been rocked. Holy crap. Who writes this? <laughs> comics writer and novelist Max Allen Collins, writer of Road to Perdition, Fables and Elementals creator Bill Willingham, and Larry Young, publisher of the respected independent comics company AIT Planet Lar. What is that? Planet Lar. Well, I think it's his name is Larry. I uh, think it's like AIT Planet. I'm going to call it Planet Larry. Lair. But they're among the names that will be involved in the relaunch. I kind of like Planet Larry. <laughs> <laughs> First Comics was a publishing on target. <laughs> was a publishing juggernaut during the independent boom of the 1980s, putting out titles that are still well loved today, such as Dreadstar, Nexus, John Sable, Freelance, Lone Wolf and Cub, and American Flag with two G's. Joe, Flag-ing. I know <laughs> America Flagag. I know how much you loved Time Beavers back in the day, Joe. Just how excited are you for Willingham to bring the Beavers back? Time Beavers is that a thing? It was a graphic novel. Oh man! Obviously, we're going to learn more about this at San Diego in right. a couple weeks. Here, there's some good names involved here. I hope Steve Rude is involved. I'd love to see Nexus come back to first. Yeah, um, they uh, the Badger was a big part of First Comics, and that book ran forever. Yeah, and Badgers popped up here. Like Badger had was at Image for a little bit there in the nineties. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it depends. on on, on what books they're bringing back and who they get to create them. I know that you know these books were well regarded back in the day. I personally never read them uh, because they didn't carry them like on the newsstand where right. I shopped. But um, they're going to have to polish these a little more than say Dark Horse did with their most yeah. recent relaunch of old heroes. Right, and there's always a worry that when you bring back let's let's say classic creators. <laughs> And uh, kind of relaunch old properties that uh, they may have lost a step. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that that's true. Or their relevance altogether. I know that I still really enjoy Bill Willingham. I mean, there's no reason why these titles, looking at Dreadstar, Nexus, even John Sable, I mean, American Flag, there's no reason why any of these couldn't exist in the modern day and be done well. And these are good creators to do it. We'll have to see what more is announced in San Diego. Yeah. Right now... I'm not real excited, but if it's good, yeah, I'll read it. The bottom line is, is that First Comics was a really well-regarded company. And they were important. They were one of the first and companies that I can think of that were – and one of the first, whatever. But they were one of the first companies <laughs> that was really doing like adult-level stuff back right. in the day, like sort of pushing comics. And as far as independent uh, publishers go, you don't really get much more important than First Comics. Yeah, they are also held in very high regard yeah. by the professionals. So this could be a lot of fun. If it's done well – I, I'm all for it. I hope it's not another uh, gold key uh, millennium comics. Ooh. So 
which they, I believe w- brought us... To- what about the Smoke and Atlas relaunch that's going on right now? <laughs> Finally, veteran creator Eric Larson has announced plans to resurrect deceased Al-Qaeda leader and all-around D-bag. And it's about time. <laughs> Osama bin Laden. <laughs> really? In the pages of October's Savage Dragon number 177. The story will feature bin Laden being brought back to life after his burial at sea and mutated into a giant green Fin Fang Foom-esque monster. All thanks to that Silver Age catch-all, deadly radiation. Larson told USA Today, quote, Radiation is the cure-all. You get some of that stuff and life is good. In the real world, you get diarrhea and your hair falls out. But in <laughs> comics, boom, you're brought right back to life. I love Eric Larson. I love it. <laughs> now, this won't be Bin Laden's first appearance in Savage Dragon, having been previously featured on a variant cover to uh, issue 145, which was an homage to Captain America Comics number one that depicted President Obama punching out the terrorist leader, Cap Hitler style. Larson, who is no stranger to controversy, expects to receive some criticism, but points out, hey, there's not really going to be uh, anybody going, whoa, don't hit him. (laughs) He's kind of a jerk. (laughs) He's not such a bad guy. He's kind of a jerk. Let's throw that out there. And jerk has been edited by the USA Today editor, so he probably said something filthy. What do you think, Matt? Uh, Is Larson crossing some sort of imaginary line here. I don't know. I mean, this is kind of what this you get in the Savage Dragon. It is Absolutely. like it is the biggest wackiest like punch 'em up superhero adventures you have ever read. And I mean, whatever. I don't who's going to criticize this? I mean, what's to criticize? First yeah. of all, it's a comic book about a dragon man with a fin on his head and <laughs> big muscles. That sometimes fights people with dueling chainsaws. I don't know. I don't see anyone criticizing this. And this is what we've come to expect from the Savage Dragon. If it helps the Savage Dragon sell some issues, great. I don't read it, but I am glad that that comic exists. And I do love Eric Larson and recognize what he does for comics. I do see people criticizing it because people are stupid. I mean, this, like you said, this is exactly what you get. Savage Dragon is an over-the-top comic that, you know, sways wildly from... You know, crazy action to parody to satire. Right. And this is nothing new for him. This he's, is a really bad guy, too. It's not like the Savage Dragon is fighting John McCain. Right. He's, is, uh, he's know, coming back as Michelle a monster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've seen Hitler get kicked around for years and years and years and years because he's yep. a really bad guy. And that's uh, he's an iconic bad guy. And I think it's it's fine. It's fun. Uh, and Whatever. I think the only real argument somebody could make is that it's too soon. But really. Please. If we can't get pictures of the guy's corpse, at least we could see the Savage Dragon beat the crap out of him as a giant monster. There you go. But he was still Trogdon! Trogdon! That's this week's big news. You want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed? Hit us up on our Facebook page where I've changed my relationship status to single until DJ here admits that Matster Blaster runs Barbie Town. Let's talk about some comics that came out this week because that is how we made our first million dollars, talking about comics, right, Joe? Right. That's right. What'd you read, buddy? <laughs> uh, my pick of the week was Secret Six, number 35, written by Gail Simone with art by Jim Calafiore. Uh, this is Caution to the Wind, part one. Ooh. I know. Part one of two. Part one of two. And then the book is gone. Hey, now. Uh, having survived their recent trip to hell, the Secret Six are slowly healing and trying to put the journey behind them, all except for Bane. Having discovered that no amount of righteousness will save him from an eternity of suffering and torment, Bane has decided that he should have what he wants most while he still lives. And what he wants most is to see Batman truly and permanently broken once and for all. Oh, Secret Six. 
I love you. I love it too. It's been so great. Gail Simone is the meanest woman working in comics <laughs> right now. She writes mean, nasty stuff. Oh man, it is so good. Too. That's a compliment, Gail. Uh, yeah, I just really love how Simone has crafted such distinct personalities for each of these characters. Even even guys that seem incidental, incidental speak with a unique voice. Yeah, I have never cared about Scandal Savage before this series. In <laughs> well, fact, she I never still hate her name, before this series, and but... I don't really like the way she dresses, but <laughs> I care about the character now. Bad uh, uniform. She's got such a, a great uh, knack for dialogue, and specifically speaking, King Shark, who is there... F- Mostly for comedic relief. <laughs> to get his eyes punched out of his yeah, head. But he might be one of my most favorite members uh, since the book started. Uh, there's a couple of – he's just like – he's like a child with terrifying shark powers. And so he's running around on the on this mission going, I'm a shark. I'm a shark. And he's getting shot at. He's getting shot at by goons. And he's just talking to them casually. He's like, I'm, a, I'm King Shark. I'm on a special mission. <laughs> uh, it's just so well done. It's it's one of the best written comics on the stands. And one of the aspects that I find most compelling about Secret Six overall is the idea that these people actually try to do the right thing on occasion, but always, always mess it up so horribly. Yeah, they get really close to almost being heroes sometimes. Right, right. And they aren't good people. Like, no. that's the thing is that they're not heroes. They're bad people. They are villains. That on occasion try to do the right thing, but they aren't monsters either. No. And, you know, that's that's all over now, though, since now they know that nothing will save them from hell. They are too far gone. And so as the book has its last two-issue arc before it goes away. Which is just too damn bad. It I is. love this book. Uh you know, as it's getting ready to go away, they're getting ready to shutter the doors. The Secret Six are going after what they want. Because they know that nothing can save them. And I think that that is such a compelling story. This is going to be a fun little two-issue goodbye, I yeah. think. And it's yeah. also going to be – I think it's going to be Gail Simone's thank you to everybody that did stick around for this book. Because initially it, it didn't take off huge. It took a little while to get rolling. Yeah. But it developed a fan base, a rabid fan base, I would say. If you mm-hmm. go on like the DC message boards, people love this book. And when the announcement of the relaunch came out and we didn't see a Secret Six, which is not to say that it won't be back later. Maybe it does show up later on after the initial 52 books. But people lost mm. their minds when they heard this one was going away. And there is a Suicide Squad book, which will feature King Shark and Deadshot. But Gail's not writing it. Yeah. And And that's the draw, really. There's a tone and and just like a character that she brought to this book for everybody in this book that doesn't exist anywhere else in the stands. Right. It really doesn't. I love what she did with some real throwaway villains. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of Deadshot, who was arguably like the coolest villain yeah. I mean, existing like, on the team, all the characters were like Catman. Like Look what she did with Catman. Yeah. Yeah. That, the, before this series, Catman was a fat dude. They got the crap knocked out of him in yeah. Identity Crisis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was, a, like, Knockout, who is a character that I think only I remember. Yeah, I have no knowledge. Uh, she was from the 90s Superboy comic. Oh, wow. That would be She's why. one of the female Furies. Wow. So, yeah, these these characters that are that were basically nothing, Gale has built up from scratch, and they're just so fascinating to read about. 
and the art. Jim Calafiore is an artist that I don't think gets enough attention. He's been around forever, he, too. He, he has been around forever. His art is stunning. I own a page of his Black Panther. Do you? Yeah, I oh, love nice. it. I love Calafiore. Uh, and, like, I just love it. everything he draws looks sharp, and I just love that, that kind of sharp, cartoony style that he has. And he's been doing consistently great work since the 90s. I yeah. think the first time I really took note of, notice of him was uh, when he was drawing Peter David's Aquaman. Yeah. And that was... 94, 95, That was maybe? a million years ago. Yeah, it, it was forever ago. And so I just hope that there's a place for him at DC or Marvel when this book goes away. Speaking of the book going away, this is probably, this might be the book that I missed the most after the relaunch. Like, a number of titles won't be coming back. Booster Gold I will I be agree. coming back. JSA won't be coming back. But the only book I think that I'll actively miss is Secret Six. I agree. I think this will be the one that monthly... There is a hole in my heart where Secret Six should be. Uh, Obviously, uh, this is a buy it, and I know it's weird. There's only two issues to go, or there's only one issue after this. But uh, this is a great story to cap off the run. Check it out. Matt, what about you? What did you pick this week? I read Rod Racer by Toby Cypress for Image Comics. You're on your own on this one. Toby Cypress. Artist of Blue Estate. It's true. I did not know when I picked it up. I picked it up on the cover alone because I looked at it and I went, that looks kind of Paul Pope, and I love Paul Pope. And Toby Cypress is very Paul Pope inspired. Not aping Paul Pope, but inspired. I, I get kind of a Pope and like Rob G feel from his art. And I love it. I love the way this guy draws comics. Absolutely love it. This is a story of Rod Racer, a hot Rod Racer in a sort of dystopian future kind of like 1950s dystopian future, I guess. Rod is a hot rod racer, and everyone races in these sort of 50s roadster-looking cars, if you will. They look like Pinewood Derby cars. Kind of, yeah. And racing is huge in this future. It's it's gigantic. Like, everybody watches it on TV, and it's a very captive audience. And uh, the book opens introducing these four legendary racers and sort of how they died, setting up the world. I'm just going to read a little bit of it because it's awesome. Alexander the Great, deceased, flipped his car seven times before landing in a crowd of 20,000 spectators. <laughs> He's always said that's how he would leave, racing, 12 casualties that day. <laughs> you know, it's like, bang. <laughs> like, you got me from page one. But this is like super macho hero racing story they set up here. Back in the day, uh, there used to be a show called Liquid Television on MTV, and there was a short that, like, changed my life. It was this animated short about, uh, like, a racer, sort of a speed racer in the future who goes, like, too fast and dies because of it. And this is very much in in that vein. And Toby Cypress comes at this from sort of this punk rock angle. And he's even, he calls it, what is it, a punk rock jazz production? I believe, which is his little, yeah, a punk rock jazz production, which is sort of his label, I guess. And I hope to see more of this because each chapter of this book is set up with a song. Like the first one is a, a Genesis song, Justice, and then it switched to Misfits, where eagles dare while they're racing. It takes and, a like, lot of guts to start off your book recommending Genesis. Hey, I love Genesis, and I don't care who knows it. Mm. This book was Excellent. Start to finish. I burned through it. It wasn't like anything else on the title because it was this very like He-Man 1950s racing story with like ridiculous characters that wear gas masks and shoot at people while they're racing. And like the Japanese Yakuza is involved. And the hero is just this like generic tough guy, you know, named Rod Racer who was trained by another legendary racer whose car blew up and they think it may or may have not been sabotaged, you know. And, oh, 
So are they racing around a track or is it like smoking? They're the like racing through the city. If basically, they're racing through this giant Gotham looking city. And they don't, they don't really go into what the race is. It's not important. What's important is there's some really macho stuff happening here. And the art is very kinetic. It's very loose. It's very, like I said, Paul Pope inspired and just fantastic. This is a, And it's one story. It was like an image prestige issue. It's got like an $8 price tag, so it is kind of expensive. But it's thick. But it's thick. And it's totally worth it. I give this book a very strong buy it. Really enjoyed it. Can't wait to see more from Toby Cypress. Please keep this stuff coming. Look, up in the sky. Hear those air raid sirens? That's because Matt and I are coming screaming into the atmosphere, reviewing 10 comics at extinction-level event speeds. So watch out, nerds, because if we don't burn up on re-entry, you'll be saying hello to the dinosaurs in hell. It's time for the ludicrous speed round. I like that the dinosaurs went to hell. Ludicrous speed! <laughs> Go! Red Skull Incarnate, number one. This is one of the meanest, nastiest things I've ever read. But it's a it's, lot of puppies It's in about this book. Marvel's main Nazi, so it better be. I loved this. Strong buy it on this one. House of Mystery, number 39. You know, every time I think I'm done with this book, they just hook me back in, uh, just like Al Pacino. <laughs> there's a there's a what? nice little revelation in here for a long time. Uh, fans of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Uh, this book is good. Buy it. Vengeance, number one. Man, this book was wackadoo. Start to finish. It was wackadoo. Nick Dragota's art was insane. Joe Casey was insane. All the characters were insane. I, I'm going to have to see where it goes, and I'm in for the ride. I kind of liked it. But it was wackadoo. I don't <laughs> understand it at all. I give it a buy it. Sure. Trailblazer, one shot. Uh, This is another one shot from Paul Miotti. This time is... These guys can't stop writing westerns. I know. But this time, Justin Gray is there. It's about uh, time-traveling witness protection, which sounds bizarre. <laughs> Speaking uh, of wackadoo. It, you know, it was kind of fun, uh, but not the greatest. Skim it. Fear itself, Wolverine, number one. Uh, speaking of skim it, uh, this barely even counts as a fear itself story. As I mean, I guess fear itself is going on in the background, but this is like a whole other terrorist thing that's happening with a group called Strike. They're apparently British. It was fine. The art was what I thought was interesting. This Boshi guy kind of looks like Lee Weeks. Skim it at best, though. Flashpoint, number three. You know, I really liked this issue. I uh, did too, man. A couple of, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, don't say it. I want to say it. Don't say it. There were a couple of twists. First, you learn who the leader of the resistance is, which is awesome. <laughs> and then they reveal the Flashpoint version of Superman, which was awesome. I give this book a buy it. Executive Assistant Iris? Yeah, you know, it's an Aspen book. Volume I feel like two, a jerk if I don't grab something new every once in a while. I was prepared to go, Meh. Honestly, not that bad. There was a nice little twist in the end. It wasn't your typical Aspen, you know, like, chesty book. I would give it a buy it. I like my Aspen books chesty. <laughs> Chew, number 19. I love this book so much. I love it more and more every time I read it. This is just another, another great issue. This one, uh... Featuring the team-up between Tony and his sister. It's just good fun. Buy it. Elric, the balance lost, number one. They're almost doing like an Elric meets Doctor Who type thing with this. They introduced a new character in the modern day to kind of tie it in a little bit. I won't I lie. I didn't really understand this book. I barely understood it either, and I read a lot of Elric back in the day. I give it a skim it. Mm. Flashpoint, Batman, Night of Vengeance, oh number two. Oh, my God. <laughs> Normally, I flip through my comics like a crazy person. I spoil myself. It's it's uh, sickness. I'm so glad I didn't. The last page of this issue was amazing. If this is what uh, Azarello's Batman could be, I want more of it. Buy it. 
bam! That is your ludicrous speed round. I won't tell you whose guns make that noise, but if you know, it might ruin something in Flashpoint. <laughs> now let's talk about some comics coming next week. Joe, what should nerds be buying next Wednesday? Oh, man, the new creator-owned title from Jonathan Hickman is coming next week. Ooh, it looks uh, good. The Red Ooh. Wing, number one, from Image Comics looks by fun, Hickman fun, fun. and artist Nick Patara. I believe Patara had uh, something to do with the Shield Infinity one shot. Yeah, he's got he had one of the stories. I think there. he did the one where the Colossus of Rhodes comes to life and fights the Kree yes. Sentry, which was awesome. <laughs> um, I don't honestly, I I don't know a lot about what the Red Wing is about, but I have loved all of Hickman's indie stuff. And this, I'm sure, is no exception. Yeah, I don't care if it's about a trip to the grocery store. If Jonathan Hickman wrote it, I'm in. Yeah, I'm I'm on board for this one. Matt, what about you? Captain America, number one, by it's Ed Baker and Steve McNiven. I mean, come on. I, yeah. I shouldn't have to say anything else. I should say those two names, and you should go, yes, yeah. I am in. I mean, Steve is back in the suit. They've got the best, probably arguably one of the best artists working right now in comics drawing it, and the guy who has written better Captain America stuff than anything I have ever read. Oh, man. Ed Brubaker, I'm saying it. Best Captain America writer I've ever read. I love it. I can't wait for this book. Sorry, Mark Wade. Love you, Mark Wade, but this is better. <laughs> 80s beats and smoking synth like this means it's time once again to ask a nerd where, oh, yeah. where you, the listeners, write us, the nerd experts, to answer all your comic-related questions like a socially awkward, less racist, and two-headed Dr. Schlesinger. <laughs> this week, Jeff Jones writes, My local comic shop always seems to run out of some of the new comics I'm looking for if I don't show up on Wednesday. Specifically, it's been the X-Men Schism miniseries as of late. I used to have no problems picking up whatever comics I needed at a local comic shop in Florida, but that was several years ago. Do you know of any online subscription services that would let me shop on a weekly basis? Hmm. This is a good question, and it it gets down to the nuts and the bolts of how your comic shop works. Yes. And I'm going to say before you go nuclear here and decide to go with an online service, you need to keep in mind that you're going to be ordering stuff ahead of time there, too. And if you're picking and choosing books one by one... Then you're ordering from lots of different retailers and getting your books up to a week after they come out. Or maybe more, depending on their policies. But What I'm going to tell you here, you need to talk to your comic shop about setting up a pull file. Yes. A weekly pull file where you tell them, hey, my name's Jeff Jones. I want to read the X-Men Schism miniseries. Some places call it a pull list. The key thing is you got to pre-order here. Mm-hmm. You've got to look ahead and you have to pre-order. Well, and... I understand the worry about not wanting to commit two months in advance to something you're not necessarily going to like. Let's just say you you have a list of titles and uh, one of them has a fill-in and you're like, oh, God, I don't want that one. Well, that's kind of the way the game is played. you got to police it a little bit. And now, even if you, like a week before, you want to say, hey, comic shop, can you add this to my pull file? They might not have the issue ordered, but they can reorder it. They can say... Well, Jeff is going to be wanting to read this, so let's get it for him. The point being, when you do that, you not only help yourself, you help your comic shop. And the nature of the business has just changed. People aren't reading comics on the level they used to. Several years ago, yeah, you would really have no problem finding anything that came out on any given Wednesday. But now, with lower orders, with a tighter economy, with shops getting smaller and going away altogether, retailers are ordering less comics. And you can't blame them. It's a really tough market right now. So it's going to take a little work, yes. But if you want to get these books, it's really the only way to do it. The reality of the comic industry is that uh, comic stores can't return the stuff once they order it. It's not like a newsstand or a a Barnes & Noble or anything like that. Not anymore. 
So a pull file is really the best tool that retailers have to judge how many books they should order. And it's the best tool for a reader to make sure they get the books they want week in and week out. Now, you'll have to do some work finding like the special stuff, one shots or or uh, issues that you want to try out of a book or creative team changes or what have you. And a smaller store might hold you accountable for something that they're ordering specifically for you that they wouldn't normally get in the store. That's just the way it's got to be. Because but it's also it's, not going to happen all the time. Right. Like, if you're ordering a major title and, like, let's say you are a Green Lantern fan and you just have not been satisfied with it and you want to drop it, nine times out of ten, a store will probably not make you buy the next three months of Green Lantern. And if they're not willing to work with you on this, there are stores out there that will. Yeah. And they understand that comic readers are getting harder and harder to find. So they're going to work with you. That, I mean, that said, though... Some stores are small and they have to do what they have to That's do to true. survive as well. So you just kind of have to work with your retailer, and it is by far a better option than trying to find your books online. And, Jeff, if you want to know what you should read or what's coming up or what you want to be excited for, send us an email, man. Hit us up on Facebook. We are here to single-handedly save the medium of comic books. Well, that's a nice segue to point out that uh, Jeff's question was actually a two-part question. Uh, and we will get to the second part next week. When the comic pushers when the come comic back. When the comic pushers come back to your back alley. That's right, baby. That's filthy. Sort of, sort of, break it, break it down like this. Well, it's a good thing that's it for the two-headed nerd this week because the air just kicked back on. We, we turn off the air conditioning to record this for you suckers, and it's like 85 in here. Man. If Space Shuttle, Battlestar Galactica, Fushnikens, and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome references all in one show aren't enough to impress you, then why are you still listening? Fully. If you are impressed, you can subscribe to this podcast on <laughs> iTunes, where your star ratings and reviews make Joe and I get busy straight Cabbage Patch style. I'm Cabbage Patching right now. You can also prove your love by clicking our donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com, even if it's only a dollar. Anything you can give is appreciated, guys, and it goes right back into making this a better show. That said, donations over $2,000 come with French kisses from our very own Dainty Joe. Sorry, and- Michelle. I'm a good kisser. As always, you can find all things Two-Headed and Nerdy at TwoHeadedNerd.com where you can find our Twitter handles and links to our buddies nerdy projects like the Comics Podcast Network. This is it. I'm putting my foot down. I'm, we're pulling down the link. Get us linked or we're pulling it down. I'm Final pulling, threat. Yep, that's it, man. There you go. <laughs> if and, that's not enough, you can head over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week. This week's query, what DC title will you miss the most after DC's relaunch in September? Mine's Secret Six. Oh, Dan DiDio's Outsiders. God, it's been so good. <laughs> so good. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the crew of the Space Shuttle Atlantis, who had a most excellent liftoff yesterday. Word to the final Space Shuttle crew. And until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. I have nothing more to say to you.